Hi, you guys. Welcome to the CJ Pearson Show, my very first episode exclusively with Colin, but also available on all other platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, the CJ Pearson Show will be right there. Now, guys, I cannot think of a more exciting week to begin this show with the amount of news that we've seen come out this week. Like, it's absolutely been a river of news and good news. Like, seriously, guys, good news. I remember, I think this is going to be one of those stories where, like, you remember where you first heard it. And I remember where I first heard it. I was out to dinner, I believe, you know, on, this was Monday. Um, I'd just gotten back um, in town. And, and for those of you, you know, who know, I go to the University of Alabama. So I was just going to, you know, a little bit of dinner. And I, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter just scrolling. Um, and I look and see exclusive from Politico. Roy v. Wade to be overturned. And I'm like, there is no way. Like, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of speculation, you know, the end of Roy v. Wade was coming. Why? Because President Trump had made the appointments, you know, of Neil Gorsuch, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Kavanaugh, incredible appointments to the Supreme Court. So there was a lot of speculation that the Roy v. the days of Roy v. Wade were numbered. But no one really exactly knew when. No one was actually supposed to know when. But because of this leak, which is absolutely unprecedented, and I'll, I'll talk about that as well, um, we now know that Roy v. Wade is very likely uh, to be overturned uh, in, in, in the coming in the coming months. Um, you know, and I'm going to talk about the leak, but first I want to talk about the decision itself, right? Um, so the opinion that is overturning Roy v. Wade has been written by Justice Samuel Alito, and and I love. Justice Alito, and because I think he's like one of the more low key guys who just like just gets stuff done on the court, always votes the right way, um, always views the Constitution in an originalist way, knows the Constitution like the back of his hand. He's just the type of guy that you can bet on. Right. Like when there's ever a big issue before the court and you want to know like how people are going to vote, you can almost always tell that, J- that Justice Alito is going to do what he needs to do to ensure that the wishes and the, and the intent of the Constitution is actually carried out. You know, Justice Roberts just votes with the wind. He wants to be liked by the mainstream media, the press and all of these things. Justice Thomas, also an incredible guy, an incredible guy who, for the record, whenever I talk about Justice Thomas, I always make a point. To talk about his incredible wife, Jenny Thomas, who is probably one of the most attacked women in America and for a very good reason. Why? Because she is so unapologetically pro-America that she doesn't have the slight urge to ever, ever make any excuse for it. She loves this country. She loves this country so much so that the mainstream media, the Washington Post, the January 6th committee, all these people have been gunning for because they are scared of how effective she is. Scared of how effective she is. And what's so interesting to me, and and you see this about the left and the way they talk about black people that don't think the way they want them to think. You see it in the way they talk about young people who don't think the way that they want them to think. And you see it in the way they talk about women who think that they don't that in a way that they don't want them to think. So Jenny Thomas gets attacked because of who her husband is, because they think that because Jenny has these, you know, opinions and she's an activist and she does all this good work that that somehow unduly influences Clarence Thomas to make his own decisions. Now, what's interesting to me is that for two reasons, there are two actual angles to this argument I'm making here. Number one, they're saying that Jenny Thomas 
should not be allowed to have a career of her own outside of Justice Thomas's. That Jenny Thomas should be, you know, relegated just simply being a woman or a wife or a spouse of a Supreme Court justice and just do nothing else outside of that. She shouldn't follow her own passion. She shouldn't fight for her own pursuit. She shouldn't do what makes her happy. Her passion should take a sideline or, or a sidestep to the passions of her husband. Now, guys, for those of you who have been around leftists and all of these things, you know that that has always been an argument that leftists have deplored. They've called it sexist, a symbol of the patriarchy and all of these things. But when it applies to a conservative woman who is so good at beating them at their own game, now they're trying to tell you, say, hey, you're out of line. You're out of line. Go sit down. Go sit down. But also the other side of this, they're also saying that Clarence Thomas, a man who went to some of the most elite schools in the world cannot think for himself because his wife believes something different or maybe they think the same thing or whatever. But you think that because his wife is his wife that she can tell Clarence Thomas what and how to think. But what they fail to understand is that the only people in the black community that allow people to tell them what and how to think are black liberals, are black leftists, are people who allow the plantation talk to tell them how they must vote, how they must act, and how they must carry themselves. And Clarence Thomas has never been that guy. Never been that guy. But to go back to what we were originally talking about, about this decision, it was about you know Samuel Alito wrote his majority opinion that when he reads the Constitution, he still cannot find any mention of the word abortion. And that is so indeed correct. Ask every single pro-abortion person in the country who are protesting in the streets who are saying, my body, my choice, I have a right to all of this, to kill my children, all these things. Ask them where in the Constitution does it say that you have the right to an abortion, that you have the right to kill unborn children, that you have the right to commit absolute genocide. Not a single place in the Constitution is that argument made, is it said explicitly, or very well, you could argue, even implicitly. And that is the point that Simon Leo was making. The right to abortion never existed in the Constitution. Casey versus Planned Parenthood, Roy v. Wade, it was all bad case law. All bad case law decided incorrectly with the most gravest consequences of any Supreme Court decision in generations. Millions of children have died because of Roy v. Wade. Millions of children. And as someone who's a member of the black community, I got to say it's a little personal to me because also disproportionately, it has been members of the black community, unborn children within the black community who have died at an alarming rate due to the absolute grave consequences of the Roy V. Wade decision. And by the way, it was intentional. It was intentional. For those of you who you know are familiar with the history of Planned Parenthood, you know that it is not all roses and, 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 and puppies, right? Guys, this is a fundamentally racist organization that was founded by a racist, Margaret Sanger, specifically to achieve the extermination of the black community. She said that we were going to get rid of so-called quote-unquote Negroes, her words, by using abortion as a method in which to do it. She went all across the country talking to KKK rallies, all these things, telling them this was her plan for racial cleansing, that she was going to abort black, Negro, again, her word, children like weeds. 
like weeds. Those were her words. This is how Planned Parenthood's founder talked about black people. And she wasn't shy about it. She wasn't beaten behind the bush about it. She was very upfront about the way in which she felt and how she hated the black community and how she believed that abortion was a mechanism to bring them into reign and to suffocate and ultimately eradicate the population of black Americans that exist within this country. And some people like to say, well, Planned Parenthood has changed. They're different now. They're different now. Well, that is also a lie. That is also a lie. Because if they are so indeed different, if they have departed from their racist founding, if they have departed from their racist history, if they are no longer the KKK light organization that they used to be, then how come seven in 10 abortion facilities, Planned Parenthood facilities, are located within walking distance, like a McDonald's, within black and brown communities. Seven in 10 abortion facilities located within black and brown communities. Why would that be the case if it wasn't still about the racial cleansing that it was founded to be about? Why would that still not be the case if the racist roots, the racist foundation that Planned Parenthood was founded upon did still not drive their cause and their mission today Why would that be the case? That 70% of their abortion facilities, again, are at the doorsteps of people within the African-American and Latino communities. You tell me why. You tell me why. And whenever I talk to people who are pro-choice, or no, 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 no. Let's not use a less verbiage. This is not being pro-life or pro-choice. You can only really be pro-life or you're just anti-life, right? You're either anti-life, you're either pro-children having the opportunity to grow up and have a prosperous future, have the opportunity just to live. Like, guys, it is absolutely kind of frustrating sometimes when, when we when we find ourselves in this abortion debate and we realize that we are literally just making the argument that children deserve to live, to have dreams, to have goals, to have ambitions, to go through life, to figure out where they may fit in to achieve the ambitions and the aims that, that God has planned for them. But yet we are the people that are told that we don't have the moral high ground in this debate, that we are trying to control the bodies of women and all of these things when that couldn't be any further from the truth. But yet the people on the other side of this debate, the pro-choice people, and again, I use that with quotes, these are the people literally championing death. There's nothing righteous or moralistic about that argument, about that debate, or about that side of any discussion or discourse. If they have fooled themselves into believing that they have the moral high ground in this, let me tell them to put the pipe down because they're smoking something a little too strong, and that's probably not legal in any of the 50 states, including California. Including California. And I know everything's just about legal in California. So that tells you everything. But beyond that, guys. Let's also talk about how we even found out about this entire decision, which is honestly kind of concerning when you when you think about it, because it's unprecedented in the way in which we found out about it. So there was a leak. Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned it you know, in the beginning here. This story was broken by Politico, a Washington uh, publication, pretty prominent. 
um, you know, of course, in DC circles. And it was a leaked decision. The, of course, they got the entire majority opinion that, again, was pinned by Justice Alito. And it was given to a reporter. Now, one must wonder why this was done, right? You know, like, what reason would someone actually have to leak this opinion? Like, this has never been done before. There have been plenty of consequential um, Supreme Court decisions that have come out that have never had this type of leak happen before. Even Justice Roberts called this unprecedented. And you know that we all know that he is only as good as we can throw him. Uh, And so one should be led to believe that a leftist clerk or a leftist justice, who knows, I guess this investigation that is is underway um, will show us, wanted to get this out because they wanted to inflame political political tensions across the country at the midterm elections. This is absolute election interference. It really is. Let's just be really honest about what's going on here. They are trying because Joe Biden has been such a disgrace of a president who has been the biggest failure of a president since I don't, at least in my lifetime. And I know I'm only banking on 20 years, so don't take my word for it. But I can go even back further just based on the history books that we have probably seen in the history of America. The worst president. And so unknowingly bad, right? Like this guy... Probably if you ask Joe Biden, if he thinks he's doing a good job, he'd say, hell yeah, I am. To who, Joe? To who? Inflation is higher than it's ever been before. Gas prices are higher than they've ever been before. The economy is tanking. We are, there are predictions from uh, certain financial institutions that we are heading to our first recession in years. Joe Biden is breaking America. He is destroying America, ripping apart the seams of this country and just blissfully doing so. And so it's no surprise that he is super unpopular. I've seen polls in which his approval rating is in the 30%. And, you know, they love, you know, and when Donald Trump was president, they would love to talk about how unpopular he is and all of these things. Well, he was a lot more popular at this time of his presidency than Joe Biden was a lot more popular. And for good reason, because he actually did the things he said he would do. He actually delivered for the American people. He actually created jobs. He actually brought about the lowest black unemployment rate and the Latino unemployment rate. The stock market was booming. The guy got things done. And people are missing those days. You can bet your ass they are. And why are they missing it? Why are they missing those days? Because you don't know how good you got it until you don't have it anymore. I said, you don't have any more. I can speak from experience. Guys, I'm in college. Like, I've had, you know, relationships where I'm like, wow, I should have stayed with her in high school. This was also very true. I should should have, you know, young, dumb, living life. So I made that mistake. But you don't miss her until you don't have her anymore. And it's the same way. You know, every guy has that has that girl every this is not exclusive to me i'm not going to pretend like it is i know a lot of y'all are going to listen to this episode y'all are, and y'all are going to think about that girl that is on y'all's mind right now you don't know how much you missed her until you didn't have her anymore and that is donald j trump right now donald is like oh my god or like you know people the american people everyone who voted for joe because they didn't like mean tweets and because they were just like oh he's so he's just so he's too honest he's too honest All of y'all, I think you've learned your lesson. And the way in which that relates to the midterms that people are like, we've got to get this under control. 
We cannot allow Joe to have Congress anymore and just let him do whatever he wants to with the country because that is obviously not working out well. But the thing, funny thing is that even with like half control of Congress, so he controls the House, actually they control both chambers of Congress. Um, he still, for some reason, can't get anything through his own Congress, which just speaks to the type of leader he is within his own party and the way in which they view them. But never mind, I digress. Um, people are just done. They're like, we cannot allow Democrats to rule this country anymore. Like it, it has to stop. And so how do we get people upset? How do we turn out our voters, our Democrat faithful, in a way that is going to match the Republicans that are going to rush to the polls because they are sick and tired of being sick and tired? Well, let's make them feel as if we're trying to control their bodies. Let's make them feel as if we're trying to take away their right to kill children. Let's make them angry. Let's appeal to them emotionally because it's the only single thing they know how to do. Only single thing they know how to do. Guys, think about Black Lives Matter, right? Whenever they felt like they were going to lose that election, what did they do? Oh, we were rioting in the streets. All during a pandemic where apparently social gatherings were all very much unsafe, right? Like you weren't allowed to go to school. You weren't allowed to go to work. You weren't allowed to praise your God. You weren't allowed to go to concerts. You weren't allowed to be a normal human being, but people could rush into the streets and burn communities to the ground because they were upset. All during COVID. Dr. Fauci didn't have a thing to say about that. Dr. Burks, none of the COVID people had a single thing to say about that when that was happening. And the same thing is happening again. Guys, this is all intentional. The left playbook never changes. Like, it literally never changes. Like, sometimes I think, like, do y'all, like, have conventions or, like, meetings? Like, do y'all ever, like, think that, like, maybe we should just switch it up a little? Because it's becoming all too predictable. They leak this opinion to energize their base, to, and to emotionally manipulate women and uneducated, you know, folks who don't know about this issue enough to vote. And it is sickening. It is absolutely sickening that the left can only win when they emotionally manipulate populations of people and mislead them and lie to them and make them think as if their very existence is under attack. That is not the type of politics that has any place in America or has any place really in civil society. You know, the, the media, when Donald Trump was running, they would say, oh, he's appealing to people of dark politics and all of these things, whatever that even means. But what is darker than this? Literally trying to make people feel as if that if Joe Biden isn't somehow reelected president, that they are literally going to cease to exist and are never going to ever find a means or an end to survive. Like that is the very most darkest thing I've ever heard in my life. But yeah, guys, we are the bad guys. We're the bad guys, the right. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. But that doesn't absolutely completely tell the story. Just today, you know, Joe Biden, when asked about what Roy V. Wade would do or what it meant, he tried to again make this also about another community who it absolutely does not affect because last time I checked, I didn't even think people, um, gay people were going to be able to like have babies. I don't know how the entire abortion issue even applies to that community of folks, but you know, nevertheless, I'll engage and play pretend with our, our 46th president here. Um, so he said that overturning Roy V. Wade would 
somehow lead to LGBT children not being welcome in classrooms. Again, guys, this is the same, this is the same emotional manipulation I'm talking about. The left does not know how to win on facts or substance or anything like that, so they try to emotionally manipulate people. Joe Biden is somehow saying that if Roy V. Wade is overturned, that LGBT children will not be able to get an education. Y'all make that make sense for me. Please, somebody make that make sense for me because I am struggling, I am grasping, and I just don't know where to begin. But that's not all our um, president had to say today. He called the MAGA wing, I mean, I, I want to I get the quote right, you know, it's real news here, um, calls the MAGA crowd the most extreme political group in recent history. Joe, Joe, Joe. Joe, the most extreme political group in recent history. Now, guys, I don't know if you guys have heard of Antifa, but I've heard of Antifa. I've seen Antifa. I have many friends who've had run-ins with Antifa. And I've got to say, I don't see people in MAGA hats roughing up elected officials, punching journalists in the face, or doing any of these things that are so-called the representative of the most extreme political group in recent history. And also, too, speaking of extreme, was it not extreme when you put COVID patients in New York and Michigan in nursing homes? Was that not extreme? Is it not extreme to support things like late-term abortions when a child is almost basically fully viable to literally vacuum him out and kill him or her? Is that not politically extreme? Is it also not politically extreme to try to demonize half America as terrorists after January 6th, even though a majority of Republicans not only condemned the violence that happened on January 6th, but had no part in it, and simply just believe that we live in America, so maybe, just maybe, we should have faith in the integrity of our elections. But that makes us terrorists. That makes us bad people. And according to Sleepy Joe here, it makes us the most extreme political group in recent history. Not the KKK. Not the Klansmen. But I wouldn't actually suspect Joe Biden condemned the KKK. Wasn't Robert Byrd, like the Grand Wizard and one of his biggest mentors alongside Hillary Clinton? Like, I would, I would totally get why he wouldn't condemn the KKK. Those were his buddies, his drinking buddies. He actually... During the campaign trail, he got knocked for it, talking about how he loved his relationship with the segregationist part of the Senate when he was there. Like, you know, you know, Maya Angelou once said, you know, when someone shows you they are, believe them the first time. And, and, and Joe has showed us time and again, I've got to say, I am believing him. I am believing him. He shows me his dementia. I believe you, Joe. I believe that you don't even know your name. I believe that when you wake up in the White House, you ask, where am I? And you ask, Jill, how did we get here? I believe you, Joe. Trust me, I do believe you. You are not pulling one over me. I, I know. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I truly and truly do. But Joe is not the only guy making all these ridiculous connections about what the overturn of Roy Wade is going to mean for broader America. Of course, our friend and our most favorite congressman in the whole wide world, Eric Swalwell, who represents 
I believe some district in California, um, said that the overturning Roe v. Wade was the first step for Republicans to overturn interracial marriage. Now, guys, first and foremost, I'm going to preface this by saying I understand why Congressman Swalwell is so passionate about interracial marriage, considering he allowed himself to be seduced by a Chinese spy. When someone allows that to happen, I got to say, they are, they are going to fight and go to the mat for interracial marriage all day long, and rightfully so. Go interracial marriage. No Republican in America is trying to ban interracial marriage. No one. It's not, I, I, I've never even heard a Republican politician or anyone of any serious stature ever suggest the idea. But these Democrats are just tweeting the tweet, hear themselves talk, and again, like I said, emotion manipulate the populace to achieve their end. This is their last chance, really, to win or at least salvage as many seats as they can in the midterms. They realize if they don't overcorrect and seek to destroy the very institutions that uh, have always existed in America, like, I don't know, keeping Supreme Court decisions private until they're ready for release, that they will very much go through the biggest bloodbath in American history come the midterms. It is going to be the biggest red wave we have probably ever seen, like ever. That is how bad Joe Biden has screwed up. That is how bad he has managed to literally, like, screw over our country. People, I know, like, friends of mine here at school at the University of Alabama, who I know don't give a, like, a single care about politics, now all of a sudden care. Why? Because they have to pump their gas every other day, and it's like $100. You want people to care, hurt them in their wallets, hurt them in their pocketbooks, and that is what's happening in America today, and people are sick and tired, like I said, of being sick and tired. And Joe, I hope you're ready. Like, you think you've had it bad with a 50-person majority in the Senate, and then uh, I can't remember what the margin is in the House, but you've controlled Congress. You've got the White House. You've got the media. And you still can't find a way to win. But you know who's still winning even when he's not in the White House? President Trump. Seriously, guys, President Trump. This news would not have been possible without President Trump. Without Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, ACB, Amy Coney Barrett on the bench, Roy v. Wade would still be stronger than it ever has been before. The left would probably be trying to pack the court right now if they could. But because of President Trump's conservative leadership, because of the fact that he had the foresight to realize that he had the potential to have a lifelong legacy of creating lasting change and saving generations of unborn children, but also in other issues of conservative jurisprudence, advancing those long-held beliefs, that he can make a mark on our history, on American history, that far extended his eight years in office. And yes, I did intendedly, inten- intentionally say eight, because he will be back. I can't wait. Because here's the deal, you know, all these people who say that it's time for us to move past Trump, all these things. I've heard the argument, but every single day, Donald Trump proves to us that he was the man for the time that we were in. And that, again, like I said earlier, you don't know how good you've got it until you don't have it anymore. And unlike 2020, where people allow the media to manipulate them and and convince them to believe that this was the worst man to ever exist, that the pandemic was all his fault, even though that we know exactly where it came from and it wasn't the United States, that those people who allow themselves to be sheep in 2020, I guarantee you, are a lot less likely to do so. 
a lot less likely to allow themselves to be used as pawns in the, in the globalist game to take over this country and take away what you and I and other hardworking Americans have fought so hard to achieve. The ability to raise our families in somewhere safe and secure. The ability to raise our families in places that still have a little bit of morality and ethics and values. The ability to live in a country where we don't have to apologize for how great we are or how proud we are to be here. Donald Trump made that possible. And I'm going to give him credit all day long because there are lots of people who try to take it away from him. Never Trumpers, literally, during 2016, said that if we put this guy in the White House, and by the way, I'm still talking, I'm talking about the people, not the people who've converted, who realized, okay, once Trump got there, like, wow, I was wrong, like, this is the guy, like, he did what he said he would do, and like, you know, heck, I was wrong. Not those people. I'm talking about the people who have made it an entire grift to still be a never Trumper, and still claim to be a Republican, even though all they do now is, like, support Democrats, so it's like... How are you really Republican when everyone that you endorse is a Democrat? Like, it's one thing to say, oh, I don't really like Trump. But it's another thing to say, oh, I don't really like Trump. But I also don't like Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Ron DeSantis, this Republican, that Republican, and that Republican, because they're too conservative. Or maybe you're just too weak. Maybe that's the case. But this is actually those people. You were wrong. You lied to the American people. You tried to lie to our party all because you were mad because you weren't getting invited to the swanky Washington, D.C. parties anymore. Well, that sucks for you because no one gives a damn about what you guys have to say or what you guys think. Because for some reason, it seems that the same people that were wrong about Trump were also the same people that were wrong about the Iraq war. Same people that were all wrong about how we should approach Saddam Hussein. Those same people all seem to be the same people who are wrong today. These people, when was the last time they were ever right about something? I'll leave you with that. All these people who have criticized Trump all day long for the last four, five, six years, ask yourselves when was the last time they were right about something? Hell, ask yourself when was the last time they were right about anything. Well, thank you guys for joining me on my first episode of the new CJ Pearson show available right here on Colin. Of course, will be available on all platforms as well. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. I look forward to coming here weekly, but also I'm excited to have some pop-in episodes too. So whenever there's like some big breaking news story or whatever else, I'm going to be... Definitely check out this space. I'll hop on, talk about it, especially in real time, especially when we have big news um, like what happened on Monday. I love this platform. I'm so excited about it. And I also love their commitment to free speech. There's going to be so many different diverse voices on this platform. I'm super excited to listen in on and just here. And so keep up with me here. Also, be sure to check me out on all social media, Instagram, BCJ Pearson, Facebook, uh, CJ Pearson, and wherever else, um, you know, you can find me. So I will see you guys next week, or maybe I'll see you a little bit before then. We'll see. But until then, I'll see you guys next time.